Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Our, our vision here at Authentic Church is that we would be a church where people come and they encounter God that we really value that, that there'd be a God encounter. And I think everybody in this room, if you're a believer in Christ, at one point you had an encounter. Whether you had that encounter at five or 10 or 20, um, whether you had that encounter at 60 or 70 years old, you had an encounter with God that led you into his presence. And so our vision is that we would encounter God and discover community. And so it's so key that we don't stop gathering together, especially as the day of the Lord draws near, that we don't forsake the gathering together of the saints. And so we always want to be a church that builds community, and our hope is that you would fulfill all that God has on your life, the purpose, the plan, the destiny that he has for you, that you would fulfill that. And we want to do whatever we can to see you raised up and released in that. And as a church, uh, one of the reasons that we love spending time together in worship is because those are when so many God encounters happen. Uh, Even today, you're probably worshiping and singing, and there comes a moment where you stop Uh, singing karaoke, and it's not just words on a screen, where suddenly it's like, man, you start to sing from your heart. And it's in those moments you have a God encounter. And so our prayer is that you had that. And we want to make a place for you here at Authentic Church where if you're a seeker and you're coming and you're just kind of checking things out and you just kind of don't know and you have questions that need answering, man, we want to help see those questions get answered. If you're a believer in the Lord, man, we want you to join in and sing and shout and, and, and clap your hands. And this, this would be a place where we could all come together and encounter God. And God is building his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. But he is the one who's building his church. Uh, This is not Fawn and Jeff's church or Jason and Nicole's church. or just It's not just any one person's church. This is his church. Jesus is the head of this body. We're simply stewarding it to the best of our abilities. And so our prayer is that we come together, we do encounter God, discover community, and that we would all fulfill the call of God on our lives. Because we know that life is short, eternity is real, and people... They matter most. People matter most. Their destinies are tied to what you and I do with the encounter that we've been given. And so we want to do all that we can to make room for God. So we are in week two. If, if you weren't here last week, uh, welcome. We're in week two of a series that we titled Current Events. And it's basically how to have peace in a world full of war. And I don't know about you, but the last couple years hasn't been the most peaceful time that we've seen that I've seen in my life and experienced in friends of mine, and a lot of people are going through some really difficult times. During uh, the, 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 the COVID shutdown, we saw a lot of things go up and to the right in terms of violence and abuse and depression and anxiety and all these different things, and we saw people lose a lot of their peace. And I think that in this time, people are looking for that. They're looking for something to hold on to. The unfortunate thing is, in their desperation, if they don't have a solid foundation on the Word of God, they'll grab and hold on to whatever's thrown their way and the loudest voice that is screaming in their ear. And unfortunately, there's a lot of loud voices that are screaming in our ears right now uh, with the news and social media and everything else, and they're filling us with just a bunch of lies. 
And so even, even this past week, one of the headline news, which I'm sure you probably saw, was uh, Elon Musk uh, went over and, and finally got Twitter to say yes. And there's still some things that need to be filled out and some boxes that need to be checked. But overall, they agreed, the board agreed, that he's going to be purchasing Twitter. And he has a solid intent to open that up for free speech. And so a lot of the fact checkers, and, and no matter whatever your political persuasion is, I'm not trying to make a political speech by any stretch of the means today, but I think we would all agree that free speech is better than hindered speech. And if, if I want to know if this is true or not, I will go and listen to whoever I want to listen to and figure out myself, but I don't want other people trying to tell me and shove that, that information down. And I, I would say even from authentic church standpoint, there was times where we went to post different things uh, about freedoms or, or what have you, or about opening up and that, hey, we're going to be meeting and we wanted to let people know about our gathering. And uh, we were meeting at a park or we were at the beach, you know, when we first started as a church, which was right in the height of COVID. We just said, hey, we're going to be uh, showing up at Tower 20 down at Huntington Beach. Come if you want to come. We're just going to be worshiping. And that post got deleted. And so there, we saw just little things like that. We were just thought, huh, that doesn't really sit well with me. As an American, it definitely doesn't sit well with me as a pastor and as a Christian when we're trying to let people know where we're, where we're at and what we're going to be doing, which is one of the reasons why, by the way, we have that text platform. And so if you haven't done so, I encourage you to sign up for that. Um, but we saw that. And so as soon as Elon Musk announced that in the news this week, uh, there was uh, also an announcement that came out from the White House that said that they're going to be starting a committee that's going to deal with disinformation and how they're going to handle that. And so they want to make sure that they still have a grip on that. And again, this is not a political speech. I'm just sharing this is what's happening. And so as soon as Elon Musk allowed, announced that, that he had purchased Twitter, then you had the White House announce, uh, uh, by the way, since Twitter is now not going to be being able to do fact-checking and everything else, we are actually going to start a whole uh, uh, a committee that's going to be handling disinformation out there. And so you just see this thing, and I, I don't think there's anybody in here that fully 100% trusts that the government's giving us everything that, that we need to hear or want to hear, and they're not necessarily spreading truth uh, everywhere you look. And, uh, and I don't look to the government for my truth. I don't care who's in office. I'm not looking to them for my truth, and I'm not looking for them for the health and well-being of my family. I will make my own health decisions. Thank you very much. And, uh, and what I'm looking to you to do is govern and protect the safety of our country and our borders, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not looking for you to tell me and my family what I can and cannot do. And so, uh, so that's just a slice of it. So current events, I understand all to say, I understand it's a hot topic. I understand that when we gather together today and in the room this size, there's probably people, even with what I just shared, you're either all for it or maybe some of you are crossed arms or maybe that just really offended you and you can't wait to get out of here today, okay? Again, this is not a political speech. I'm just sharing some things that are happening in the news, but I want to bring some biblical context to be able to share with you that the Bible actually speaks of a lot of what we're seeing right now and what... what the world is looking at in terms of losing its mind, we can actually have peace as believers in Christ. So we've been chatting about what the Bible says in relation to end times. End times, uh, uh, the theological term for end times is eschatology. Um, that's just a fancy word for uh, the study of the end times. And so it's, it's what you believe, how, how things are going to shake out as the time of Jesus draw nears from uh, the rapture to tribulation to 
uh, the Great Tribulation, to what happens to the saints, uh, when's the rise of the Antichrist, is this person the Antichrist, and I'm not here to name names or to point fingers, and the reality is none of us really knows. Uh, everybody's got a theory or an opinion, and I, I'm, not, I'm not into sharing that, especially from the, from the standpoint of being the pastor of this church. If it is my opinion, I'll step aside and say, now this is just my opinion, but overall, I just want to let the Bible interpret the Bible, and let the Bible speak to us today. But Bible prophecy, for any of you that are here, and that feels like a heavy subject when you hear the word Bible prophecy, if that feels heavy, I just want to let you know that all Bible prophecy is meant to encourage the believers and to serve as a warning to the unbelievers. So typically, you know, in, in, in any given facet of life, you're going to have kind of three camps of people. And I understand there's more spectrums uh, that, that, than what I'm going to share here, but there's basically, it boils down to three camps. There's those that are followers of Jesus. There's those that are, I, I think Jesus might be the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm kind of putting one foot in front of the other here in this faith journey. I showed up at this church today. I don't know what I'm doing here. I got invited, but, I, but I'm open so there's that camp. And then the third camp is somebody that's totally rejected the idea of God. They've totally rejected the idea of Jesus. And if you're in any one of those three camps here today, my, my prayer is that, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to be comforted. You're going to feel like, man, I feel like I got faith just pumped into me, man. I feel like I got hope surged into me. That's awesome. If you're in the camp where it's kind of like, I don't know about you guys, that music at the beginning of service, that thing you call worship that seemed kind of out there, I'm not sure about the guy up front that's talking and sharing. I'm not even sure about the Bible. If you're in that camp, my prayer for you is that you would get the questions that you have answered. Um, when I came to faith, some of you know my story, uh, but I, I wasn't necessarily in the third. The third camp is those that are just like, I'm out, I'm just really here checking a box for my wife or whatever it is, and you're ready to, you know, you're going to take the family out to lunch. If, if that's the third category where you just reject God. When I came to Christ, I wasn't all the way in the third category. I thought I was probably in the first category, but I kind of slipped back into the second category where it's like, I got a lot of questions that I need answered. Um, if you have questions that need answered, we want to help see those questions get answered. Christianity is not a faith where you just check your brain at the door and just say, you know, hey, la-la land, it's an emotional thing. No, it's not, it's not an emotional experience, although emotions can have a play in that. God has emotions, and he gave you in his image. He created you with certain emotions as well. So certainly God does touch hearts and minds, and there is sometimes an emotional response. But everything is built on the foundation of the Word of God. So in diving into the Word of God today, we're going to turn uh, to Matthew 24, verse 6. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there, Matthew 24. And I'm going to hit, I'm going to bounce around in a few different areas and just kind of share with you what Jesus said and what the Bible says about what we're seeing play out and also what happens in the end times. And so a lot of people think they're like, so I hear about the end times, I've heard different words and the Antichrist and things like that, but I have no grasp for what that means or what that looks like. My goal today is to give you, uh, to arm you with some spiritual faith in the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing God's Word. And in Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus is talking and his disciples are having a conversation with him, and they said, hey, Master, how are we going to know? Like, how are we going to know when you talk about end times and things like, how will we know? And so Jesus comes back to them with this real candid answer in just a few scriptures here. This is paralleled in Luke 21, which we'll read later, but right now Matthew 24. And he said in verse 6, and he says, you're going to hear 
war of wars and rumors of wars. But see that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nations going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines, earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. How many moms in the room today? Is there any moms in the room? Any women giving birth to little children? All right. There's birth pains, right? I'm not, I'm not an expert, obviously. I identify as a male. And, uh, and so... I did identify as a woman, and then I, but that was only for nine months, and then my mom birthed me, and then from then on, I, as soon as I came out of the canal, I was a male. And so, but my wife has had four kids naturally, no drugs, which means the husband can have all the drugs he wants. So my wife had no drugs, and, uh, and there was times where we knew, we, it's like when the first child came, you're like, is this it? You're wondering, she's wondering, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I'm just here for moral support, you know? And so she's squeezing my hand and started to yell and then started to yell louder. And it's like, oh, okay, that's that. We've transitioned now, right? You know, there's a transition that takes place. By the way, public service announcement next weekend is Mother's Day. So for all of you guys that have a mother, which everybody in this room, you have a mother somewhere, you can write your mom that card, tell her you love her, get her whatever gift you want to get her, send it out in the mail. Try to get it out there by Tuesday or Wednesday so that it makes sure that it, it gets there. So anyways, you're welcome. If you got nothing else from the message today other than the reminder for Mother's Day, then at least, at least you got that, you know. So Jesus says, hey, you know, these are going to be the birth pains. There's going to be birth pains that are going to happen, um, but the end is not, that's not the end yet. That's just the beginning of the end. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 24, 32, he says, guys, look at the fig tree. Learn, learn a lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branches become tender and it puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. And they're like, yeah, okay. So there's, Jesus was a master at grabbing something in the world that they could see, that they could understand, and he helped attach that thing, which in this case was the fig tree that's sprouting in summer. He was attaching that to help them understand how, how they're going to know when the end times are going to come. So he says in verse 33, see also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So somebody would say, this generation, so Jesus is talking to them, but Jesus obviously went and ascended into heaven. Um, Peter, Paul, you know, all these disciples and followers in the early church, a lot of them experienced persecution. They were killed, beheaded, crucified, crucified upside down, uh, driven out of their lands, off of their homes. So, uh, so that's not the end. So what do you, when you say Jesus, when you say this generation won't pass away, but that generation passed away. Yes, that generation did. That's not the generation Jesus is talking about. In this scripture where it pertains to the end times, Jesus is saying this generation, in terms of the generation, when they see the beginning of the end, that generation won't pass away until they see the end. Why is that important? It's important because the generation is roughly 70 to 80 years. We read last week, and if you weren't here last week, I encourage you go. You can listen to the podcast or watch it online. But we went through really in-depth detail about some um, important key dates that are, are happening, things of, that happen in the world that pertain to things talked about in the Bible. One of them is May 14th, 1948. And that date is significant because that's the date that Israel became a nation again. So Israel is the only nation to be dispossessed twice and come back, all right? 
And so they were dispossessed twice. The first time they were, they were dispossessed, if you remember the story, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians took them captive, and then the Persians conquered Babylon. So then they were brought back through from Persia's reign, and they reestablished Jerusalem then. Okay, that was their first time coming back. And then Jesus talked about uh, to the disciples, he shares with them, hey, not one of these stones that you see in all these buildings is going to be left. It's going to actually all come crumbling down. About 40 years after Jesus was crucified on the cross, that ended up happening in, in, uh, in A.D. 70. And so the, the temple was destroyed, just like Jesus said. There was a guy, a Roman general named Titus. He came into town with his army and completely destroyed Jerusalem. He took a million, he killed a million Jews, took a bunch of them captive, and then Israel was no more in A.D. 70. And then that land went through a, a series of wars and different things that happened. And then it wasn't until May 14th of 1948 that Israel became a nation again. So a lot of people don't realize that there's this massive gap in history where Israel was scattered all over the world. And we talked about all this last week. And so when Jesus says this generation won't pass away, that the ones that see the beginning of the end will also see the end, there's prophecies in the Bible that talked about the reformation of Israel that happened in 1948 that was the time clock that started the beginning of the end. And with the generation being, according to Psalms 90 verse 10, roughly 70 to 80 years, if that's the mark of a generation, then we're living in the last days and potentially the end of the last days. If you follow that and allow the Bible to speak to that, if that makes sense to everybody. By the way, if you have any questions today or anytime through this series, because I know there's times where you're sitting in church and you're like, I want to raise my hand and ask a question. If you have any questions on any of this stuff that you want answers to, you can text that question into that number 94,000 as long as you've signed up for it. So you text authentic to 94,000 and then you get signed up on our text platform. And then if at any point in the sermon you, want, you have a question you want answered, you can text that to that number. And then when I pick the series back up in a few weeks, then we'll cover some of those questions and answer those for you. But um, so Jesus says, this generation won't pass away. If they see the beginning of the end, they're going to see the end of the end. So that's what Jesus says. Now, he says there's going to be earthquakes, wars, famines. Every generation has seen that. Every generation has seen somebody that was evil, dictator, that rose to power, that had the spirit of the Antichrist. So what makes this generation different? Well, we're the only generation that saw Israel come back to become a nation. That's what makes this generation different. And so earthquakes, so just a little facts on that. Earthquakes have doubled in the last 30 years. They've more than doubled in the last 30 years alone. They've quadrupled in the last 100 years. And that's, a, that's an interesting statistic. Um, I'm not a statistician, but one thing to know is obviously... Um, our, our, our ability to understand seismic activity has obviously grown in the last hundred years compared previously. So I don't know how valid that one is when we say it's quadrupled in the last hundred years, but all to say it's really increased in the last 30 years. Wars, there's been wars, rumors of war. There's been multiple wars in Africa, the Middle East, India, Asia, Russia has experienced wars. Obviously now with what's happening with Ukraine, uh, we have this verge of a potential World War III where everybody's kind of holding their breath between uh, Russia going into Ukraine and, and different nations that are kind of secretly, quietly aligning themselves with Russia. You got China flying jets over Taiwan airspace. You have Iran that's building up fortification on the northern borders of Israel. And Israel's been telling them, stop it, stop it, stop it. You have all these things that are happening right now. There's famines all over the world. There's been starving people in South America, Africa, Asia, India. We've 
ourselves in America, we've seen a massive drought over the last 20 years. Even if you just look at, you know, like the water levels of Lake Powell and some of other, our major lakes, we've seen a bit of a drought. Um, and, and so we've seen that. Pestilences, where you could throw in there uh, the coronavirus, COVID, we had the bird flu, we had the swine flu, there's the AIDS ap epidemic, um, there's the resurgence of old plagues recently, like mumps, measles, scarlet fever, diseases like tuberculosis, obviously the rise of cancer, brain diseases, etc. And you're sitting here going like, thank you for the encouraging word, Pastor Jeff. <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here and just have lunch and a cocktail. You know, like, <laughs> okay, let me give you some hope, okay? So... Yes, all this stuff is happening. The Bible said that this would be happening. We are seeing it happen, but there is still good news. And so today's teaching, what I want to really focus on today is uh, the rapture. And um, if, if that's a new term for you, I'm going to unpack that for us today. I'm going to share a little bit about what the Bible says about that. I'm going to share. Uh, you won't look in Scripture and see the exact word rapture. Uh, but you will see words that talk about the rapture. And so we're going to unpack that for us uh, today. So first, let me tell you what the rapture is not. Okay, the rapture is not the second coming of Jesus. A lot of people get that wrong. They think the rapture is going to be the second coming of Christ. That's actually not what the Bible talks about. The second, the second coming of Christ, excuse me, is out of Zechariah 14 where it says Jesus is going to touch down on the Mount of Olives. And actually during that time when he comes again, we, the believers, will be with him in that moment. So that's the rapture is not the second coming of Christ. The rapture is a theological term that refers to believers in Christ, followers of Jesus being caught up. And so this is discussed in 1 Thessalonians 4.13 and then uh, 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to read that. Uh, so 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says this. So Paul's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, the, the church, and, and, and he says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. He's talking about the end times here. He says, I, I want to let you know about things that are coming, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve at, as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So talking about those that died earlier and then the believers that are going to be caught up. And he goes on to say in verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. And with the sound of the trumpet of God, remember that, the trumpet of God, I'm going to get into that towards the middle part of the message today. And it says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So when it said asleep in Jesus, basically they're... Their, 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 their bodies are dead here. Their bodies are lying here. Um, and their, their spirits are very much alive in Jesus in heaven. So those that have passed away, they're going to be there. We're going to be caught up. And there's going to be a shout, the voice of an archangel, and a trumpet. So caught up. So what that means, the, the word rapture 
actually comes from the Greek word harpazo, which is a Latin, the Latin word of that is rapturo, where we get the word rapture. So that's, I'm just kind of helping you just really quick in a quick, you know, pass by from, from Hebrew to Greek or Greek to Latin to English. So rapturo, so rapture. So rapture, the word rapture actually literally means to seize hastily, to, to snatch away. And so this, there's going to be a generation, and, and I believe it's, it, it's this generation, personally, my thoughts. I'm going to step away from the Bible and just telling you, Pastor Jeff, based on what I've read, what, I, what I've studied, I really believe that we will see. There's going to be a generation that will actually never know death. There's going to be a generation that will live, and then they will just be with Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. And, uh, and, and so when we, when we read about this, it's actually really encouraging to us as believers. And when we're gone, when we get caught up in heaven, uh, there's going to be uh, mayhem on the earth. You don't want to be here when that time happens. There's a side of the equation, those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. Those who are in Christ, that's the right side of the equation that you want to be on when that trumpet sounds, okay? Because when it does, it's, it's, it's game on, and we're gone, and tribulation, the period of tribulation that hits the world, according to the Bible, when you read, it's evil like we've never experienced. It, 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 it's, it's the wrath of God being poured out. It's complete lawlessness in terms of the people. You think you've seen lawlessness now? Just wait till the time of tribulation. This is, this is Sunday school. This is like Disneyland compared to the time of tribulation, the period of tribulation. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Paul writes this. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. So that's the that's the dead in Christ. They arrive first. And in that moment, when he says moment, that's the word atomos, where we get our atom from. That's the, and he says it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. That's like a 40th of a second, just that fast, like faster than snapping your fingers. It's, it's done. It's happening. And so Jesus describes the rapture. So, this is, so Paul writes about it. Jesus talks about the last days. Let me share what Jesus said now about the rapture in Luke 17. And I'm going to connect the dots with, with being caught up and being taken and, um, and bring some context to that. So in Luke 17, verse 24, it says, For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So that was that generation back there with Jesus. See, they, they got to be he has to be rejected. Just as it was in the days of Noah, plural, days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, remember he talks about it's going to be like the days of Lot, the days of Noah. Now he's talking about that day. There's a specific day, there's a point, there's a moment where we're caught up. He says, on that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down, take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Don't forget about her. Sad day for her. 
Whoever seeks to preserve his life is going to lose it, but whoever loses his life will actually keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. So this is a selective rapture we're seeing. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken, the other left. So it's not just someday, it's that day. There is a specific day and a time. And it says, it goes on to say that Jesus doesn't know, the angels don't know, the only one that knows that day is the Father. Okay, so when is the rapture? <laughs> Everybody's kind of like, and when is this going to take place? Okay, so does it, does it happen before the seven years of tribulation? Because the Bible talks about that, that there's going to be seven years of tribulation. Is it going to happen during the tribulation, or is it going to happen after the tribulation? And there's, there's different camps uh, when it comes to theology. There's different theological camps that uh, have different reasons and sides of why. I want to let you know, uh, there, there's, certain, there's certain things in Scripture that's like, that's a hill that you, you need to die on. There's certain, hill, there's certain aspects of theology. Um, in terms of if somebody's pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, that we can still be friends. I have a lot of friends that sit on different areas of that, uh, and there's different arguments. I'm sharing from you or sharing with you what I believe to be uh, scripturally true and a biblical basis uh, for this. But um, the question that I would have, so Jesus said specifically, it's going to be like the days of Noah, right? It's going to be like the days of Lot. Jesus said those words. We just covered that. Okay. My question is this. Did Noah get in the ark before the flood? During the flood or after the flood? It's a good question, right? Did he get in before the flood or was it during the flood? And he's like trying to get that, you know, the door up before it, you know, completely engulfs and they sink. Or was it after the flood, right? He got in the ark before the flood, okay? So Jesus said it's going to be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. So in the days of Lot. So question, did Lot get out before <laughs> brimstone fire comes down was it during it's happening and he's running and he's you know bouncing you know you know trying to be like a running back with his family through through everything coming down and hoping that or was it after smoldered but they stayed strong and they were in a fortified a fortified bunker there somewhere in the city and then they came out no lot got out before in fact the angels said hey you need to get out of here because we actually can't bring judgment on this city until you get out so tribulation, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, but bad things happen to good people. There's been Christians that have been beheaded. There's, yeah, you, you, we've experienced persecution, for sure. Um, we're not immune to not being, to, to being persecuted. You know, we're, we're going to have trials in this life. There's a difference between persecution, trials, and things that come at you from the world and the wrath of God coming down. Okay, there's, there's a difference in that. The time of tribulation is the wrath of God being poured out in that time. And according to Jesus, where he says it's going to be like the days of Noah, it's going to be like the days of Lot, I just can't find anywhere else in Scripture that says that you're going to be here for it. And so uh, we're going to dive into a few of those uh, a little bit. But tribulation, the wrath of God poured out, rapture comes first, then the tribulation. And in fact, in the tribulation, then there goes on, uh, there's a season that's known as the Great Tribulation. And that most theologians uh, that would be in this camp would say that's the last three and a half years of the tribulation. It, 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 it's, it's, it's a million times worth. At that point, there's been three-fourths of the world population that's been uh, uh, killed, murdered, died of different things that have happened. Um, you had a third of the sea life that ended up dying with some of the different things that happened 
Um, and we'll go into all this in greater detail in, in the messages that will come later on in the series. But basically, it's not a place you want to be. It's not a time that you want to live in. And I just don't see God loving you so much and likening himself to, himself to a groom that's coming for his bride and saying, honey, I love you so much. I want you to experience seven years of hell. Uh, you're going to see how much I love you. You're going to really appreciate me when you see how bad the Antichrist is. You know, you're going you're gonna to love me. You know, I just don't see God like that, right? I, that's not the comforting, kind, loving God that I see. And so uh, during uh, the days of Noah, there's horrific ungodliness you read about. There's perverse sexuality, immorality. There's hatred. There's violence. There's evil works, deeds being done. The days of Lot, same thing. Horrific ungodliness, perverse sexuality, immorality, hatred, violence, evil deeds being done. I don't know that our world right now looks much different than probably it looked in the days of Noah or the days of Lot, right? And Jesus said that in the end, it's going to be like those Days, but there will be a day when it comes where we're raptured. Uh, this quote from Erwin Lutzer, uh, he, he wrote this. He's a, a modern-day theologian, brilliant guy. Uh, he, he wrote this. Erwin Lutzer wrote this. He said, one minute after you die, you're either going to be elated or terrified, and it'll be too late to reroute your travel plans. When you slip behind the parted curtain, your life will not be over. Rather, it will just be beginning in a place of unimaginable bliss or indescribable horror. And Jesus gives us two examples. He says, in that day, right in that passage we just read, he said, in that day. And then he also says, in that night. That's kind of confusing, right? It's like, Jesus, is it day or night? Like, when are you coming, dude? Is it going to be nighttime or daytime? Well, that, the rapture is a global event. And so if it's daytime here, on the other side of the world, it's what? It's nighttime. So when he says it's going to be like lightning that flashes across the sky in that moment in a 40th of a second, um, it's, it's going to be like that. And, and by the way, when the Bible talks about time, it's always going off of Jerusalem time, okay? It's not Orange County. It's not America. It's, you know, <laughs> we may be great. We may fizzle out, okay? But, but it's going off of Jerusalem time. So Jesus says on that day, you know, two will be grinding and they'll be doing this. And then he'll say on that night, two will be lying in bed and one will be taken, right? And so it is notable that he talks about the day first and then he talks about the night. So you could say it could have happened in the day or the night over in Jerusalem, but that's another conversation. So, but when it happens, it's a global event. So if it's daytime and it happens in the middle of the day when people are working in Jerusalem at high noon, well, it's going to be the middle of the night for us over here in Orange County, California, right? But it's going to happen in a split second. So Jesus used the word. He, he says there's going to be two people and one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. That word taken is important to understand. Um, the, the, the word taken, it's actually from uh, the, the word paralambano. Paralambano means to bring you to myself. I want to receive you to myself, to take you along as my companion. So Jesus says that one will be paralambano, one was, one's going to be taken, one's going to be brought and received to myself, and one is going to be left. Interestingly enough, Jesus used the same word paralambano when he speaks about don't let your hearts be troubled. And this is in John 14, verse 1 through 3. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So verse 3, when he says, uh, I prepare a place, I'm going to take you to myself. When he says that, he's saying paralambano. So he's saying, 
I'm going to receive you. The same word that he's talking about in terms of us being caught up on that day is the same word that he says, I'm going to take you to myself. I'm going to receive you. And he says, I'm going to my father's house. And uh, if you want some side reading, you can go read Revelations 21. And it talks all about the father's house and, and the, you know, 1,380-mile cubit you know, square and, you know, 12 foundation stones and everything else. But basically, Jesus is sharing that this is, this, this is a, a foreshadow of the biblical timeline, and he shares these prophecies, and he, and, and he likens it to a marriage feast. And uh, really quick, I'm going to go into this in greater detail in a few weeks, but there's seven feasts in the Jewish calendar that are very noteworthy to us today. There's a reason God instructed seven feasts. There's a reason why four of the seven have already been fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the first four. The next three have yet to be filled. And so the first feast that's talked about in the Bible is Passover. Actually, it's the Sabbath, but it's not really counted as one of the main seven feasts. But there's the Sabbath, but then the first feast is Passover. Then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Um, and so which Jesus fulfilled, he was the Passover lamb. There's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And he celebrates that, and then he gets handed over. And then uh, he's crucified, and then he rose again on the third day. It wasn't just a day. It was actually the day that was the Feast of the First Fruits. So they would have Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then the third feast that the Jews would, would follow would be the Feast of the First Fruits. Jesus is the first fruit for us so that we may not live in death, that we may be alive in Christ. And so then from there, then, then 50 days after that is the Feast, after Passover is the Feast of Weeks where we get Pentecost from, 50, that's Shavuot, right? And, and Jesus fulfilled all those. He fulfilled the Passover, the unleavened bread, the first uh, fruits, and then the Feast of Weeks, right? The feast, feast of Weeks has been done where the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was birthed. Okay, so the first four of the seven has been fulfilled. The next three, and they were fulfilled in order. The next three that's coming up is the Feast of Trump, Trumpets that happens in the fall. Then the, the Feast or the Day of Atonement, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. So the next feast that would be fulfilled, if you're looking for a biblical time frame, according to what the Bible has laid out, what Jesus has already fulfilled, would be the Feast of Trumpets. Remember, at the beginning, we were talking about how Jesus shared in the last days, there's going to be uh, this, this voice of an archangel and the sound of a, the blast of a trumpet, right? And so a lot of people believe that when Jesus, when that happens, when rapture happens, it will actually be during the Feast of Trumpets. And we'll get more into that in the weeks ahead. Uh, but so the question then is, okay, so what is the rapture? Uh, what's the time frame of the rapture? We kind of have a little bit of an idea of that. And then how to be prepared for the rapture. And this is where we're going to land the plane here today. Um, you know, it's, it, it, I shared earlier, it's our vision of authentic church that people would encounter God. So how do I be prepared for the rapture. The, being prepared for the rapture, being prepared for that moment, it really begins with a relationship with Jesus. But I gotta encourage you, church, and I really felt this from the Holy Spirit this morning when I was praying for us in this time together. It's to encounter God daily. This is great that we come together and we have a God encounter on a weekly basis, that's awesome. I love coming together and having an encounter with God in a corporate gathering like this. There's nothing like it. Hearing different voices rise up in worship as we're praising and worshiping, I love it. But you got to take that for yourself and go from a corporate encounter with God to a daily personal encounter with God. And so that's how you prepare yourself for that moment is that every day is a new day. His mercies are new every single morning. We need to be refreshed in God every single day. That's why it's so important to have a Bible reading plan 
to, to spend time in the Word of God because when you spend time in the Word of God, your faith begins to grow. And I'd encourage you to read the Bible aloud. Sometimes where I feel like I don't feel like reading the Bible, and trust me, even as a pastor, there's days where I feel like not reading the Bible, okay? Just being transparent with you. There's times like that. One of the things that I love doing is taking my phone out or in the Bible app on my phone, or I'll have my Bible in my car, and I'll literally at the top of my lungs at a stoplight, I'll just read the Word of God. And when you read the Word of God aloud, you're really declaring the words of God over different areas of your life. And so I'd encourage you, if you need a little bit of an injection of faith in your walk with God, or you just feel like, man, i got to shake off just this going through the motions Christianity, read the Word aloud. Read the Word aloud. Second aspect of how to be prepared is to discover community. It's not just a cute saying in, 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 in our vision statement, encounter God, discover community, fulfilling the call of God in your life. It's not just that. It actually is part of our vision because we feel it's attached and it's close to the heart of God, that he doesn't want you doing life alone, that there's times where you're going to come into this place and you're going to encourage me. There's times when I'm going to encourage you. There's times where your faith is going to strengthen the person to your right and to your left, and their, their strength is going to encourage you as well. And so there, we need to have that sense of community. And so the heartbeat of God we really feel is to continue to build community. Don't stop gathering. Hebrews 10.25 talks about don't forsake the gathering together as some have. Notable is that when that was written, Nero was going around and grab. He was looking for the Christians who gathered, who had the audacity to gather and worship and pray and spend time in fellowship, he would go, he would send his thugs, his police, to go around and look for those gatherings that weren't approved by the government. And they would drag you and your wife and your children out of the house. They would beat you. Then they would take you, they'd throw you in jail, and then for sport, they would throw you into the Colosseum where a bunch of people would sit and watch lions attack you and rip you from limb to limb. You and your family, your kids, your babies, and everything else. That really happened in church history. And when that was happening, the writer of Hebrews, which most believe was Paul, wrote that and said, despite everything going on, despite how crazy it is, I want to encourage you. It's so important that you continue to meet together. It's so important that you continue to build that community because you're going to need that community. It's so important that I don't want you to stop. Even though people are getting drugged out, even though people are getting killed, I want to tell you, do not forsake gathering. We need to continue to gather. So the first point in terms of uh, being prepared is obviously having that God encounter daily. The second point is really being part of a community of faith. Whether it's a Bible study or joining us here or being in a small group or, or going out and just grabbing lunch with people after church, there's such beautiful things that happen in the context of community. And then the third thing is fulfilling God's call in your life, that you would live with purpose, man, that there's a purpose that's greater. It's not about us just coming together and hearing a sermon, singing karaoke and going home. Okay, it's actually that there is a purpose, that when we come, we get built up, there's holy faith that gets on us, and we run with that fire and that passion that God has placed inside of our hearts. And I was so blessed this week, my wife and I, we were up in Zion, and, and we were sitting out at this table, and, and we were staying at the lodge there, and it's cool and rustic and no frills, it's just this old bed, uh, I think it's like a plastic mattress with sheets on it, I mean, it's really, you know. It's like, you know, but it, but it was so cool. And, and, and we would go and we'd grab breakfast in the morning at this little place at the lodge. And you just walk outside and you're just like, you know, it's unbelievable. The size of, you know, and, the, and, and they have the, the, they call them the patriarchs. And there's actually one of the mountains is called the Great White Throne, right? You know, thank you. You know, the Mormons did a good job naming that place. And so, so you're going there and, you know, you're going through that. And we're sitting there and, and, and we're reading and we're talking and then, 
Fawn has this look in, my, in her eyes, and she's looking past me. And I'm like, she goes, I'm going to go pray for that little boy over there. And there was, a, there was a dad with an ice pack on his son. And my wife gets up, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, and I'm eating. She goes over. She has a conversation, introduced to herself. She ends up praying for the whole family, praying for the little boy, just praying that God would touch him. And, and they were so blown away by that act of kindness. And, um, and I, I just feel like the fire of God, like he wants to get on you because there is actually power in your prayers. I think sometimes we don't step out in faith to pray for people. It's because maybe we're too concerned with us or what we're going to look like or what if they don't get healed or what, what if they do. <laughs> What, what if that one conversation you had with them led them to go home that night and start to look up online on stuff about this Jesus? She kept praying in the name of Jesus, this, that, and the other. Who's Jesus? I mean, you know, you never know what kind of seed that you're sowing just by taking a step out of your comfort zone. And I just want to encourage us as a family of God, let's live today like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Let's plan like he's not coming back for 100 years, okay? I, I, I mean, plan, live your life, get married, buy a house, do whatever you, if you're going through college and you're finishing your degree, continue to live your life. But let's live with the passion as if Jesus could come back at any moment, because he could, according to his word, he could come back at any moment. But let's live our lives like he could come back at any time, amen? Amen. Well, well um, I'm going to ask Kara to go ahead and come up, and the team is going to join me now, and... We're going to land the plane here today. Um, if you have uh, been encouraged today and there's something inside of you where you're like, man, I, I feel like in this hour, in this moment, I need to go all in for Jesus. Like, I, 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 maybe you were baptized as a kid uh, and you're like, man, this is coming, this is real, this is coming alive to me right now. I need to be water baptized today. Today is your day. We have the baptismal tank already filled up for you. So I, I, if you want to be baptized... Uh, we have the baptismal tank already filled up for you. We got a black shirt that you can wear, um, a nice dark shirt. It's comfortable, and, and you can have it. It's our gift to you. Uh, we would be honored to walk with you in your next part of your journey. And if you're here and you're just kind of starting this thing in, in your journey of faith or you want to go a little bit deeper, I want to encourage you to stay for our Next Steps experience that's going to be happening right here at 12 noon. It goes from 12 to 1. Food's already provided. Kids are taken care of. Don't worry about that. And, uh, and I just want to close out in prayer and, and invite you, if there's anybody, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, today's your day. If not now, when? If not now, when? Today is your day. Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Thank you that you're here today. Thank you for stirring our faith today. And Lord, we want to know you more. I want to know you more, God. If you're here today and you need to get your life right with Christ, or you're like, how can I be sure that I'm ready for the rapture? I feel like, how can I be sure that I know that I know? Romans 10, 9, and 13 speaks for you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead. If you really believe that, you're saved. You're saved. So if the rapture was to happen today, you're going. Romans 10, 13 confirms this with us. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Every single person. So if you need to call on the name of the Lord today, get right with God. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. 
declare that he's the Lord and the Savior, not just the Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. The crowds that followed Jesus, they wanted a Savior, but they didn't want a Lord. They didn't want somebody calling the shots in their lives. They didn't want somebody that was going to be speaking to them and showing them a better way to live. They wanted to kind of do their own thing. But if you're here today and you're like, I'm done living my life alone, on my own. I'm done calling the shots and you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Just lift up your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for today. If that's you, if you're here and you just say, I need to get my life right with Jesus today. Just raise your hand. All right. We're all Christians in this house. That's okay. That's good. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I'm saved, but I feel like I need to be baptized today, or I'm planning to be baptized, just raise your hand today. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. For those of you that are going to take that step and be baptized, I'm telling you, your life's never going to be the same. Baptism is the seal. It's the seal of that relationship, that salvation experience, that moment. It's the seal. Like you seal a covenant. The word of God's going to come alive to you. Sin that used to trip you up is not going to trip you up anymore. You're going you're gonna to sense a closeness because of your obedience. When we're obedient to Christ, there's a closeness that comes. When we're disobedient, there's distance that we feel. But when there's obedience, and Christ said that we would be baptized, the followers of Christ would be baptized. And so when there's obedience and we walk that out, there's a closeness that we, that we come into. And so you're going to have a closer relationship with Jesus. It's going to be awesome. And if you need prayer for anything today, I don't care if it's prayer for your job, marriage, family, healing in your body. I'm just telling you, the, the healer's here. The provider is here. The Savior is here. If you need prayer for anything today, we're going to open up the front as the worship team leads us in this last song. My wife's going to be up here. Miss Tony, Miss Jody's going to be up here. Nicole, Jason will be up here. We just want to make ourselves available to pray and be in agreement with you for anything that you need. So why don't we just all stand as we're concluding today at this time. I also want to let everybody know that every single Sunday we always have communion up here. If you're here today and you're like, man, I want to, I want to have a moment and take, take, take communion. I haven't done that for a while. Just let yourself out of the, the pew there and just come on up front. You can grab communion. And if you need prayer for anything, come up for prayer. If you're being baptized today, you can go ahead and go to the back and change. And I'll meet you in the back and get you a shirt. We'll go ahead and sing this this last song. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.